Good morning, it's DJ and PK at 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz get a win. They beat the San Antonio Spurs and look good doing it. Give them an A-plus for that first half. 60 points at the half. They weren't turning the ball over. They had like two or three turnovers at halftime. They were getting buckets in transition. They were getting open shots out of the half-court offense. They only gave up 43 points in the first half. Didn't give up a three-pointer. They weren't fouling. They weren't sending the Spurs to the free throw line. A lot of things going right. Got a little loose in the second half, but you know it's hard to keep a team down by 20 the whole game. They were never in danger, really, of losing it. Spurs got it down to 14, and Joe Ingles hit a big three, and Spurs got it down to 12, and somebody else, I think Forrest, maybe. Somebody hit a bucket. So, it wasn't a perfect second half, but it was good enough. And the Jazz get a win, and then they get a little help in the playoff race. The Lakers, without LeBron James, whose ankle is still bothering him, so he's out of the lineup, they go out and beat the Denver Nuggets. So the Jazz are now four games up on the Nuggets and four games up on the Clippers. And there's only seven games to go. So for those of you wondering, hey, are the Nuggets going to catch the Jazz? Can the Jazz fall to two? Can they fall to three? Well, the race for one-two with Phoenix is still very much up in the air. But Denver is now four games back with seven to go. Now, the Jazz have to play the Nuggets Friday. If the Nuggets win that, they'd be three back. But can the Jazz take care of business on either side of that? Can they beat the Spurs again on Wednesday and can beat the Rockets on Saturday on the second night of a back-to-back? And the Rockets aren't very good. They traded their whole team away, and there's been some losing going on there. So you got a chance to pick up wins on either side. The Jazz need to go 4-3 and three in the last seven, even if they lose to Denver. If they win the games on either side, they'd only need to go 2-2 two and two in the last four games to stay in the top two. So for whatever that's worth, however important that is to you, uh, they've certainly they've got a chance to get the one seed. I would think Phoenix is healthier and would have the better uh, – the better shot at that, but they got more road games and they got a back to back coming up. So there are things that could go wrong for the Suns. I think, as we see with the Nuggets, and we've seen this with the Jazz too, you can be good and you can dominate for a long stretch, but at some point you're human and you're going to mess stuff up. You know, the Jazz won nine in a row and they won nine in a row again and they won 11 in a row, uh, but they didn't, win, they didn't win 15 or 20 in a row. You know, at some point stuff just goes wrong. And it went wrong for the Nuggets at the uh, worst possible time. Other than Jokic, no one could score. Of course, you could say for the Lakers, other than AD, no one could score. That game ended up 93-89. That was a low-scoring game. Kids, that's what NBA basketball looked like in the 90s. That was normal. So this is more fun. I, I, I enjoy the game the way it's gone and all the three-point shooting and all that. Enjoyed it a lot more. So, And, of course, it's always more fun when your team wins. So the Jazz get the win. And they're half game in front of the Suns, but uh, they're four games up now on the Clippers and four on the Nuggets. And then it's 10 games back to the Lakers. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some college football with A-Rod. Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator at BYU. And we will talk with him coming up next. And then we've got the best of the Jazz postgame show. We'll get all the best uh, postgame comments from the guys coming up after that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time to welcome back Aaron Roderick to the show, BYU football offensive coordinator. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I mean, PK and I are just going through the, the normal humdrum drudgery of our lives. You, on the other hand, private jets, red carpets, caviar, I assume. How was the NFL draft? Hey, private jets, the NFL put us on the worst flight itinerary you could ever imagine, okay? It was like, <laughs> it was the tri- the trip home was like the, it was just, yeah, it was a day of hell, pure hell. It was like the, they're punishing us after a good time. <laughs> Explain what was going on. They, I don't know, they just put us on a really tough flight itinerary. We flew, we flew on a packed plane from, from, uh, from the draft from Cleveland to Dallas and then Dallas to Salt Lake, both planes were packed. It was just, it was, uh, it was like each, every gate was as far as you could possibly walk at the far reach of the airport. It was just one of those days where we had a really good time. And then the trip home was like, man, is this worth it? Well, I want to know when Zach uh, told you you were going. Did he call you on your on his Verizon phone while you listened to your Bose headphones and ate food on your Traeger grill? And this guy's pipping more things. Well, not I was going to say pipping more things than anybody I know, but that's not true. I know some other guys who pip a lot of stuff. But uh, <laughs> this guy is taking the capitalism right off the bat. How cool is that? Yeah, his I guess uh I guess his agents have been pretty aggressive with that. He he's he's clueless about it, all that. He's just like they're they're just doing it for him. That's what they do, you know. He's he's uh it's funny all the social media stuff. He's not doing any of that. I don't, I don't it's all it's all the those people that he's hired to to uh take care of it for him. So I'm curious uh, with the Jets, are they going to have enough around them that we're going to get a fair evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback, uh, second-year GM, first-year head coach, so there's no track record to go on? I know people want to look at the Jets and say, man, it's been a decade of futility. That's why they have a second-year GM and a first-year head coach. It has been a decade of futility. What kind of, what kind of shot is he going to have with the people around him? I don't know. That that's that that is the million dollar question, you know, um, cuz I I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um we we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior and it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great. But it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers and you know, just everything we were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand in hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that that offensive lineman from USC. I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of players in that league. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple years or last year, uh, last couple months, I should say. Um, they're good. That that guy's really good. So, and then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some. There's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe maybe you think. Um, 
And then, the, you know, the new staff, you just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there'll, there'll still be some pieces moving in, here and there, but it's it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you, and um, that is a tough place. It's, this is a this is a tough tough assignment for sure. I'm, we're all really excited for him, but I'm very realistic about the fact that he's up against the really really tough circumstances. So, what we could tell is that three coaches, the Satakis and you from BYU, Coach Care from Corner Canyon, and then John Beck, I think, was there, and pretty much I think. Zach's entire family was there, as far as I could tell. Uh, was that normal? Were you able to figure out? Did did everybody have that many guys representing them with them? And how cool was it that he invited all these people uh, who weren't family who helped him along the way? Yeah, it was really cool. We um, we went to dinner the night night before, and uh, just you know, I think all of us felt just kind of honored to be a part of it. I think um, I was looking around the table while we were eating dinner and just felt like, you know, first of all, I'm really fortunate to coach a player like Zach. Um, you know, he, he definitely made me look good. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there at that table and looking at, you know, his dad did a great job just being a good parent. And his dad uh, gave him a lot of – coached him when he was a kid and gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good player. And then he, he played for an awesome high school coach. Um, obviously, Kalani, uh, the chance to play for Kalani, I think, was a big part of Zach's success because Kalani wanted to be great on offense and gave us the, uh, gave us the green light to be super aggressive. And then, and then obviously, I've, uh, I really like John Beck a lot. We have a good relationship, and it was just fun. And Bessie got our receivers playing so well this year anyway. It was just fun to be sitting there and thinking how everybody at this table had a small piece in in this, and it was just sort of felt like one of those things where it's like a real privilege to be a part of it and be associated with a player like Zach, who was so great and and yet as good as he is, he he wanted he wanted a little piece of what everybody at that table had to give him. He just he's he's always hungry for more. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He wants criticism and. Um, it was it was just a good time. It was a good feeling. So it's always interesting when guys go off to the NFL. Obviously, they're really busy, and they've got things to worry about with their career and their team and how things are going. But you do want those guys to stay available to you know help the old alma mater recruit and all that kind of stuff. How does that work? How do you ride that fine line so uh, whatever impact they have on recruiting, they can have it, but you don't bug them and wreck the relationship in the long term, too? Um, yeah, I, I, there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done directly or can be done, really. It's it's more just the, the fact that, you know, when you have players drafted and you have success, it just tends to breed a little bit more of the same. More players are attracted to that and want to come. And uh, the Utes have been doing it for a long time. They've had a good run of, of draft picks, and then, it just kind of continues, and that's we want to build on that momentum and keep it going. But you don't actually need um, you don't actually need much more than you don't need a whole lot of involvement from those guys. You just it's it's more just the momentum and the and the notoriety that comes with it that uh, you know that, that hopefully keeps fueling more of it. I think you know in our case we're always going to sort of get who we get in recruiting in some ways. It's never going to change 
entirely, but it definitely does send a great message to a lot of the you know good players that fit our um, fit our school and fit our program. That hey, you can be a first round draft pick or or a third round draft pick or a sixth round draft pick. You can get drafted and playing here. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to LSU or Clemson or something like that to to be a high draft pick. So one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings. How much does it validate the 11-1 season? Because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that. We've been over that a million times. So how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of give, I've kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just over trying to validate. <laughs> with it's, it's hard to go 11 and one. It's I don't care who you play, it's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that, all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching whack or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many 11 and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and. Uh, so, um, for eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so, anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I do. I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it. Uh, Matt Bushman, in general, or in specific, I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play. And I think that that injury is such a you know. It's, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something. And I think that, um, you know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I, I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I, I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough. It's, it's, I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. I, he did pro day. He did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if um, you know if, if things go well for him. I, he's got a great chance. Would, wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time. So do you see more NFL talent on the BYU roster and a chance to back it up? I mean, no one can predict five draft picks. It's uh, it's a fine line between being a seventh-rounder and being an undrafted free agent. So not to hold you to a specific number, but do you in general see the depth of potential pros on the roster still? Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of good players. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, that, that's the fun thing about this is, you know, the, me- the, the message to – our team and specifically that I've been talking to our offense about is okay we lost all these good players now everybody thinks we're going to suck and uh, so you know that the challenge to our current players is you know what are they going to do what are they going to do about it and are we going to show up and play or are we going to go back to being seven and six again and and that's that's a fun that's why you play man that's that's the that's the competitive nature of this but um, I like the raw material that we have to work with right now we've got we've got more offensive linemen that i think are are are, uh gonna just pick up where we left off and we've got some good skill players and 
I like the pool of quarterbacks, and, and you know, we're going to be good on defense again. It's just a little bit different team, but um, still a lot of good players returning. Uh, our running backs both back. So there's there's some good players there that, you know, if, if they go out and do it on the field, then that's where the NFL opportunities come from. You know, the, the last team that had five draft picks went 12-2. and two. That was the, two, the 2001 team was 12-2. and two. And it's no no surprise that the following spring in that draft, five guys get drafted and several more went as free agents. And several of those guys had had really good pro careers. Um, Doug Jolly was one of them that I just mentioned. You know, there was there were a couple other guys on that on that team that had had good pro careers. And um, so the opportunities usually come from winning a lot of games. And that's that's what I want our team focused on right now is win games and then then the cream will rise to the top, and that's how guys get chances at the next level. Is there a depth chart at quarterback? Um, not exactly, no. I, I, it's still open. Um, the Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, we're going to battle. Those three guys are going to battle in fall camp. Um, Sol Jay is in the mix, uh, you know, I haven't completely eliminated him yet, but he's just a just a notch behind those other three guys right now. Um, still think he has a lot of promise in the future. He's a very dynamic athlete. He's just, um, but we're going to go into fall camp with those three guys initially, and then we'll we'll work we'll work pretty quickly to narrow that down. I, I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to how I'm going to create the competition. I, I've got a good plan for that. I've already communicated clearly with our defense and with Kalani about um, how we're going to get that done and mostly just involves playing a little bit more 11-on-11 football than you usually would in the early parts of camp. But I think I think our, with our system being as well-established offensively and defensively, I think we can get to that pretty quickly. So obviously the O-line is taking a hit here with the draft and the uh, the undrafted free agents and all that. There was clearly a lot of talent there. Do you feel like you not only have the high-end talent but the, the depth to handle what you're about to face? Yeah, you know, depth is always, a, is always the biggest question for us. At least it has been in this uh, independence, you know, era playing P5 teams. We, we usually can feel the – a starting 11 on each side of the ball that can play with, you know, with any of the teams on our schedule. And then, you know, the story of a couple of the years where we, you know, didn't finish like we wanted to was we get a little banged up and sometimes the backup guys aren't quite quite there yet. I think this team is, is deep. Um, you know, you mentioned offensive line. The, you know, we're going to be starting some guys this year that played a ton last year, whether they were listed as starters or not. We were – we went 10 deep last year, and we had so many big wins that those guys got to play a lot. And some of them played a lot anyway. Uh, you know, Blake Blake Freeland, for example, he started games for the last two years for us, and he's going to take over at left tackle for Brady. Um, he's six foot nine, and has started. He's a super athlete. He was a state champ in the shot put and was a good basketball player. Um, He's going to play left tackle, and he's played a lot of games for us the last year, so I don't really even view him as a new guy, even though he's taken over for a third-round draft pick. And and uh, Harris Lachance is going to start at right tackle for us, and 
same thing. He's played a lot of football the last couple of years, and he's six foot eight and also super athletic. Um, and I, I expect a lot from both of those guys. And technically, they weren't starters last year, so um, they started on and off over the last two years. But they weren't every game guys like Brady and and uh, Chandon Herring, you know. But and then Joe Tukuafu is another one. I mean, he started about five games last year. He, I. I I expect him to find a way to be a starter this year, and um, if he's not, it's because it's because Connor Pay beat him out, and Connor Pay is another one who wasn't considered a starter last year, but played played in a lot of games and has a really bright future as well. So I'm uh, really confident about the offensive line, even though even though we just lost three guys to the NFL. I think I expect there to be no drop off, and um, you know, with our running backs. As good as they are, I think we should be able to pick right up where we left off. At least in that in that part of our offense, we should be solid. How does it work with the Nakua brothers? I don't know that they're enrolled in school. What are you allowed to do as far as interaction with them? Yeah, they can start. They so they're starting up with us here shortly. Um, some with this spring semester coming up, they can start and they can start working out with our team. So okay. they will be getting going here real short, real soon. So when you look at the schedule, I'm curious how much you can really figure out about these teams between players who may have opted out, between freshmen who uh, didn't really get a chance to shine, who will now be sophomores making an impact. You always have newcomers who can make an impact with the transfer portal. As far as opponents, are you flying blind more than ever? A little bit, especially with Arizona. Our first opponent, um, they had a coaching change. And my understanding, so first of all, with the coaching change, we're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're, we're learning the scheme by watching Michigan film. We're trying to learn the personnel by watching Arizona film. But, you know, as you watch the film, it's like, well, that guy's not there anymore. That guy's not there anymore. This guy transferred. So it's kind of hard. You're trying to sort out who's actually still playing on there for them, who's not. And then... Uh, they've gotten a number of transfers in. They got a DB from Notre Dame. They got another one, I can't remember from where, uh, that we were just talking about the other day. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy and where is he likely to play in this scheme, in this Michigan scheme? It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a guessing game a little bit, and I think our, our uh, defense is kind of in the same boat because uh, the head coach was in the NFL last year. He's, he's been in college football, and he was at UCLA not that long ago, but – it's a little bit of a guessing game what they're going to do. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it there. Um, and there's more turnover than ever before in college football. And it's uh, it's time to just stop complaining about it and just embrace it and deal with it because it's how it is. And so you can't have any excuses for it and can't say, oh, we don't know what's going to happen or who we're going to have or who they're going to have. You just got to get ready to play. And um, – so we're mostly focused on ourselves and just making sure we're squared away and we know what we're doing, and then we'll do the best we can to be ready for for Arizona. But the answer that was a long, long answer. But yeah, it's it's an issue. As I understand it, uh, recruiting gets back to normal in June. Is everybody going to have a ton of guys on campus? Is that how it's going to work? I think so. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, we're still not able to go back out on the road, so. Normally, the month of May would just be constant travel for college coaches. You'd be out the whole month, pretty much. 
um, just getting all around the country trying to see your prospects, uh, evaluate them. And then, but they're, they're still not allowing that, but what they are allowing in June, they're allowing guys to visit your campus. And so with, uh, you know, shoot a whole year of nothing, I think pretty much every, every school is going to have guys visiting almost every day in June. It's going to be, it's going to be a busy month for sure, but we're really looking forward to it. I, I think every college coach is looking forward to that because, um, recruiting can become a grind and it's, it's, um, you know, some in some ways it's my least favorite part of the job, but in other ways I, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoy the process of trying to project what a young guy is going to be in several years. And um, sometimes you get it wrong, sometimes you get it right, but I, I like that going through that process. And um, I really felt for the kid, the high school guys in these last couple classes who didn't get the chance to get recruited the normal way. I think there's a lot of good players that are getting overlooked or – uh, maybe not ending up uh, at the level that they belong, and so um, I, I just I'm happy for the these younger classes that are coming up now. Hopefully, we can get back to normal for them, and they can have more opportunities. Well, hey, Rod, we appreciate a little bit of time, and uh, I can tell you because I had family in Cleveland for a while, not anymore. There's no easy way to fly in and out of Cleveland. There's no directs. We get spoiled in Salt Lake. We get directs everywhere. It just doesn't happen. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Dallas, that, that's rough though. That's way out of the way. Usually, you just get to fly to Detroit or something. Cincinnati, yeah. maybe. We went through. We went through Chicago on the way there, and Dallas on the way home. That was a treat. <laughs> but all worth it though. We had a great time. It was fun. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season. Yeah, guys, go Jazz. See ya. <laughs> Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's Aaron Roderick, BYU offensive coordinator. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get the W. They take down the San Antonio Spurs. Now they got to do it again Wednesday night. But they look good doing it uh, Monday night. That was a, a strong performance from the Jazz. They were dialed in right from the get-go. They got up 5 nothing, and Spurs called timeout and never really got back in the game. The Jazz just kept pulling away. Here's the best of the postgame show. Time to recap a big win for the Utah Jazz. Jazz knock off the San Antonio Spurs tonight, 110-99. to Big night uh, for Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich. Let's first start with Rudy. Rudy, uh, another double-double, uh, a pretty easy double-double. 24 points, 15 rebounds, two steals, three block shots. It's Look, it was a Rudy Gobert day at the office and afterwards talked about the big win over the Spurs. We'll go ahead and start. Uh, first up will be John Kuhn, AP. Rudy, you guys had a fantastic defensive effort in the first half. 
um, especially at, at the rim and on the perimeter. They, they didn't make any three-pointers. They didn't get a layup until the final minute of the second quarter. What allowed you to be so successful in those two specific areas and kind of limiting them to the mid-range? I think first off, we did a great job running back. You know, I don't think they they had a lot of transition transition points. Uh, communication was was really there. You know, everybody was talking, and um, and we rebounded. You know, we got we didn't give them much second point shots, and you know, you try to make them earn everything that they got. And uh, you know, I think uh, they hit a few tough shots. You know, but we know that it's a team, especially the Rosen, that uh, is good at hitting those tough contested twos, but uh you know we did a great job making them hard and uh and and get gain those rebounds when when you miss them. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV is next. Rudy, it just felt like there was less hesitation, less indecision tonight on offense. Could you feel that? Definitely. I think you know we did a great job running. Uh and it started obviously with the defense, but Running, moving the ball, and uh, and uh, and finding the best shots—you know, almost every time. And when we play that way, it's uh, you know, it's really hard for the other team to guard us because we have so many so many weapons, and uh, and also we able to you know get good shots and and set our defense. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, you had that sequence in the first quarter where you kind of dissuaded two separate Spurs from getting a shot up on the fast break. And then you had that moment in the third where you blocked Johnson, he got the ball in the corner, you stopped him from getting a three, and then he turns it over out of bounds. Do moments like that kind of have kind of a cumulative effect, like both for you guys digging in defensively, but also for the other team's willingness to maybe attack you in certain situations? I mean, I think uh, definitely, you know, I think being able to, to have that tenacity, you know, and uh, when, when some guys push the ball and they think they're going to have an open layup and and all of a sudden they just get blocked or they see me and they think that it might might be better if they don't shoot. Uh, you know, I think it's a little demoralizing. And, uh, and for us, it does the opposite. You know, I think we... Um, we feed off that, you know, and anytime there is a play like that, whether it's me or anyone else, you know, uh, it's a momentum play. And, you know, we have a team that kind of plays, you know, with momentum. And, you know, it's always uh, great for us to, to, to feed off that energy. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic, is next. Rudy, how important is it for you guys uh, collectively as a root? as a group to be playing well uh, once the playoffs start? I mean, really important because we have very high goals and expectations, you know, so we know that uh, the next seven games uh, is going to be one game at a time and it's going to be uh, about keep getting better and better and, 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 you know, keep having our habits and our foundation, especially defensively, uh, so when the playoff comes, you know, we don't have, we're probably going to have to raise our level, but uh, we're already going to be, you know, having been used to play with a high level of intensity and uh, and be able to play with a high level of, of, of intensity offensively, 
you know, and stay poised and stay on selfish, keep moving the ball and finding the, you know, the best shots every time. So it's, you know, for us, we, you know, I don't think we in a hurry to get in the playoffs. I think we just want to make sure that first of all, we get healthy, you know, we get our guys back and, uh, and uh, for every single game until the end of the season, whoever is on, is on the floor, uh, make sure we play jazz basketball and, you know, and that we carry over to the playoffs. So there's Rudy Gobert after the Jazz get the 110 to 99 victory. Let's hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. Big night from him as well. 25 points, three rebounds, 10 of 17 from the field, two of seven from three, and he talks about a huge win. Okay, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Boyan, when Royce gets a couple of quick steals, Rudy's playing pretty hard on transition, transition defense. Are those kind of plays contagious early in the game and it gets kind of everyone wanting to be committed on the defensive end? No, exactly. The first the first minute we show how we're gonna how we're gonna play tonight early still three from from Royce. Once again great defense when we are those two places that you say are giving us giving us enormous energy, especially in the beginning of the game. But but once again when we play defense like we played tonight, we're gonna have a we're gonna be in a game and have a chance to win the game against anybody. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Boyan, what most contributes to a defensive night like you have tonight? They didn't get a shot at the rim until like there was a minute left in the first half, and I know part of that is by design of them just shooting in the mid range all the time. But you guys were incredibly effective in in guarding the rim and guarding the three-point line for most of the night. What, what kind of, you know, puts you guys over the top in that regard? I mean, we were, we were aggressive in a, in a pick and roll, small, small, small. We didn't allow them to, to play and, and, and have a matches that they won. We struggled last year against them. They had a, they hit a lot of, a lot of mid-range jumper. We know that is, that is their Big, big strength, and they are one of the best teams in the league shooting mid-range jumpers, especially the Rosen and, and and Murray. So, so we were we were great contesting contesting those shots, and and whenever they they went by us, Rudy Rudy was there. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Bogey, offensively, you guys just seem to play with no hesitation, um, zero indecision. What goes into that, and how do you keep that going? I mean, we are trying to kind of keep freely, play freely offensively, especially we miss those guys. So we're trying to play to play a little bit faster because we can we can struggle when we are playing five five against five against without without Donovan Donovan and Mike. So we are playing really aggressive every every single every single guy. Trent is doing. Great job once again, big three, big three in a in a clutch, and and then he was he was good defensively as well. So we are playing just just freely and and, and aggressively. Uh, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Boyan, this is kind of silly, but uh, last season a lot of some of you guys were uh, pretty vocal about the yellow jerseys, not liking the yellow jerseys. Um, this year, I don't know if you care, but this year you guys have gone undefeated in the yellow jerseys. Do you care about that at all? I know some of the guys did last season. I don't care, honestly. I didn't even know that, that they complained, complained last year. But if, if you are undefeated, let's 
let's save those jerseys for the for the playoffs. Final on this one, 110-99. You've heard from Rudy Gobert. You've heard from Boyan Bogdanovich. Now time to hear from the head coach of the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. He addresses the media as the Jazz get it done over the Spurs. We will jump in. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV up first. Hey, Coach. Well, there are a lot of positives about this one tonight. The energy, the steals, the way you guys move the ball. What impressed you most? Well, I think you just named a few of them. I thought our activity on defense, um, especially early, which created some deflections and some opportunities um, on the offensive end. And we played with the pass, you know, particularly right now. That's something that's that's really important for us, um, given our personnel. And uh, again, I, I thought Trent did an excellent job, you know, coming in. Um, Mie did a good job, you know, during his minutes. And we had a lot of guys that contributed a lot of different ways. And, you know, collectively on the defensive end as well. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, San Antonio for a time was attacking almost exclusively in the mid-range area. And yet you guys outscore them by 20 in points in the paint. Uh, they shoot just 7 of 20 at the rim. Can you just speak to the job that Rudy in particular was doing kind of in having an impact on their ability to score from close range? Yeah, that that's a tricky one um, because, you know, last year when you've got really good mid-range shooters, um, there's a tendency, you know, we don't want to try to just give up mid-range shots. You know, we want to make them hard. Um, I think they broke an NBA record last year um, from mid-range. So, uh, although, you know, we'd rather give up a mid-range than the rim, um, you know, the times I thought that Rudy and Fabe were actually up as well um, to contest those shots was was really important. And that means, you know, our other guys got to scramble and, and get rebounds. So, um, that was something we felt like, you know, was important. Um, DeRozan in particular is as good a mid-range player as there is in the game. And DeJounte Murray can really get to his mid-range shot. And, you know, that's something they do very well. So you have to be aware of it um, and not just concede those shots. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, do you guys uh, – do you feel like you guys are, are are finding ways to find a rhythm, playing without um, playing without Mike and Donovan, you know, knowing, you know, which lineups to use just as a coach and – you know, are, are you guys finding a rhythm on the floor uh, without those without those guys? You know, I, I think the rhythm is to just play the way we play and, you know, and to really defend. So regardless of who's out there, we've had, you know, different different lineups, different guys have played at various times. And, you know, I think everybody that's come in the game has had that had that mindset. Um you know, one of the most important things for us is is to keep the ball moving um, so that we don't play against, you know, a lot of full court pressure. And that's something that, you know, requires everybody to really be alert, um, you know, and to get off the ball at the appropriate time. David James, KUTV. Coach, you had 60 points at the half. They were barely getting 20 points a quarter. You didn't have many turnovers. They didn't have any threes. They weren't shooting many free throws. What does halftime sound like when things are going that well? Well, I think one of the challenges in, in any game, I mean, you watch NBA games and, you know, the 20-point leads are 
taken away all the time, especially early in the game. So the emphasis, I think, is is on continuing to do um, what you do um, and understanding that the other team is going to come out, um, you know, w- with energy and, and potentially adjustments and, you know, play a different way and to be able to react to that. I, I thought there were, there were times when we did that and there were times when uh, we weren't as efficient. Obviously, we, we turned the ball over more in the second half. Um, the game slowed down a little bit and, um, you know, we made some, we made some mistakes that we weren't making in, in the first half. And, you know, I thought it showed, but as you said, it's, you know, it's difficult to play with a lead like that. And, and you know, they're a team that you know, continues to compete throughout the whole game. And, you know, it forces you to make sure you're, if you're not doing the same, you know, you're going to find yourself in a close game. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. When you had two quick steals from Royce in that first quarter and also, you know, a pretty big transition defense possession from Rudy in the first quarter, do you feel like defense or like a defensive energy or commitment early in the game can be contagious for other players? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's really a collective mindset and – you know, generally with someone, someone's doing a good job, you know, on the ball, having a presence, you know, that makes the pass a little harder. Maybe there's a different angle. Um, you know, so all those things, you know, regardless of who comes up with a steal, um, that's really important, you know, and it's something um, that, you know, we've done at times and that we haven't done as good a job at times. And uh, it's really important to us to, to get off to a good start and, you know, if it means, you know, making plays off our defense and getting easy opportunities, that's that's even better. All right, last question. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn, you gave Mieoni a chance in kind of that 10th man role. Ersan's played there, Jarrell's played there the last couple of games. Is that rotation? Is that experimentation? Is that depending on who you're playing against? Kind of what is that? I think it's more matchup oriented. You know, part of that is just, you know, all those guys have contributed, you know, at various points in the year. You know, obviously, um, Mie's played that role um, more when we've had our team healthy. Um, you know, again, in different matchups dictate different things. Uh, you can go into a game, you know, thinking you're going to play a certain way, and that can change uh, in the second half. Um, it can change with foul trouble and, you know, it can change if someone comes in and, you know, is making shots or making plays. I thought tonight, Mie on the offensive glass and, and a few really key loose balls. Um, so there's lots of ways to contribute. And, you know, I think, you know, those guys all understand that, you know, at any given time that, that they're, you know, they can be called on and even a three minute period can, can really have an impact on a game. And, you know, you understand that, that, that at times um, that's not the easiest thing, you know, players like to have um, longer stretches and sometimes that's not the case. And having the right frame of mind that whatever's called on you for however long to come in and, and make an impact on the game. Oftentimes that means you, you know, you get to stay in and play more. That is the head coach of the Utah Jazz, who's now got a lot of confidence in Trent Forrest. Played 21 minutes last night, had nine points, uh, and and did not turn the ball over either. Zero turnovers, four rebounds, and uh, three of five from the field. And here's a guy who's obviously very excited about his opportunities, but started out talking about some impressive Rudy Gobert defense. First question tonight will come from David James, KUTV. 
Trent, I'm curious how many guys you've played with who can uh, stop a two-on-two fast break just by standing in the paint and looking at people the way Rudy did in the first half. <laughs> no, nah, it's not many, not many at all, actually. <laughs> it's really crazy how, I mean, how good Rudy is defensively. Um, I mean, obviously coming in my first year, I, I knew Rudy was a good defensive player, but seeing it up close is, it's really crazy how much he can change a game. <laughs> all right. Next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Trent, the shot chart that, the Spurs had in the first half was just crazy. You know, they didn't get a, a basket at the rim until the last minute before halftime. Just kind of what was the the game plan to shut them down so effectively? Um, I mean, for us, we knew they were a heavy mid-range team. So, um, at least for our bigs, we wanted them to be up a little bit and then kind of contest at the rim. But we were doing a good job of getting over and forcing them into into those mid-range shots and being able to contest. So, I mean, they weren't even getting the chance to kind of get to the rim. Um, I mean, I don't think it would have made much of a difference with them going down there at Rudy and Fave. So, I mean, we just did a good job contesting a lot of their mid-range shots. Uh, next, we have Sam Farnsworth, KSL. Hey, Trent, um, 21 minutes tonight. You've clearly been gaining the, the trust and confidence of your coaches, Coach Snyder. How has that helped you in your own confidence, or has it added maybe a little more pressure knowing that they're turning to you more often, or maybe is it a little bit of both? Um, I would say more confidence, honestly. Um, I mean, just coming here since I've been here, they've, I mean, been working with me, and I feel like with me, Knowing that he has the trust in me, I feel like that gives me a lot of confidence because, I mean, I had to really work and just lock in since I've been here to gain these opportunities. So I look at it more as confidence, if anything. All right, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Trent, um, I'm wondering what the transition and development has been like for you on the defensive end, um, for specifically in the NBA. And if there are things on that end that you can ask guys like Mike or Royce that can help you along. Yeah, no, I ask Mike and Royce a lot of questions <laughs> all the time about defense. So um, it's just little different things I like to pick up from them, um, whether it's how to guard a certain guy playing pick and roll or um, going back to even the Toronto game. I, I found myself kind of getting stuck in between helping crack down or taking the big one's favor. Rudy goes over to help and kind of deciding if I need to take the big or stay in the corner to take away the three. So as soon as I came to the bench, I asked Mike. So it's just little things in game, even outside of the game that I might ask Royce or either one of those guys what they kind of see when they're in different situations. Alrighty, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune is next. Trent, just kind of a follow-up to that. How much of an adjustment is it to have Rudy out there knowing that you're kind of trying to funnel things to him and, and help out, you know, compared to – I'm sure that wasn't the case of Florida State. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But, I mean, I wouldn't say it makes our job easier, but, I mean, you know you have somebody back there that can – help you kind of clean up a little bit. So uh, like a guy like Royce, I, I see he's always kind of physical when he's guarding screens and when he's just guarding the person one-on-one. Um, I mean, it honestly just gives you confidence to play more physical defense because you know you kind of have somebody on the backside to help you. 
All right, and we have one last question. It's from Nio Campbell, utahjazz.com. Hey Trent, just curious, have you heard from your mom or college coaches regarding tonight's dunk? <laughs> I have. They both called me today before the game. Um, they was like, that was the only thing I was missing so far was a dunk. So I definitely had to get one tonight for my mom and my college coach. <laughs> so there you go. There's the final 110-99. Jazz get the W over the San Antonio Spurs. Jazz will be back in action tomorrow against the San Antonio Spurs. Back-to-back home games, back-to-back games against the Spurs. Game tips off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game show begins at 6 right here on uh, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us.